This evening's reading is from 2 Corinthians 12, 14 to 13, 14. Now I am ready to visit you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you, because what I want is not your possessions, but you. After all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. So I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and expend myself as well. If I love you more, will you love me less? Be that as it may, I have not been a burden to you. Yet, crafty fellow that I am, I caught you by trickery. Did I exploit you through any of the men I sent to you? I urged Titus to go to you, and I sent our brother with him. Titus did not exploit you, did he? Did we not walk in the same footsteps by the same spirit? Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? We have been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ, and everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. For I am afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. I am afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you, and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual sin, and debauchery in which they have indulged. This will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I already gave you a warning when I was with you the second time. I now repeat it while absent. On my return, I will not spare those who sinned earlier or any of the others, since you are demanding proof that Christ is speaking through me. He is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power, we will live with him in our dealing with you. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you, unless, of course, you fail the test? And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. Now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong, not so that people will see that we have stood the test, but so that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. We are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong. And our prayer is that you may be fully restored. This is why I write these things when I am absent, that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in my use of authority, the authority the Lord gave me for building you up, not for tearing you down. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All God's people here send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Leah. 
Hands up if you like exams. If you like exams. Okay, a couple of people. No one in the balcony. Well, I thought here in Oxford we would probably have a few people who like exams. Um, but I'm guessing that for most of us, we, don't, we didn't enjoy exams. We don't enjoy exams, especially... And yet, they are still a part of our lives, especially um, if you're studying. And I think often we don't like them because they stress us. You know, we kind of feel, I haven't done enough revision, or what's revision? Or that kind of feeling of, I'm going to forget everything whenever I walk into the room, or the questions that we prepared didn't turn up in the exam. And so we're glad when they're all over, and we have that kind of sense of relief. And it's not just you, if you do, as you finish your exam, but mum, dad, friends as well have a real sense of relief. They have stressed over you, and they've had to absorb your stress. And yet, exams, that's not the end of them. Perhaps if you have a job interview, there's a test that you have to take as well. Or if you want to get behind the wheel of a car, you have to have a driving test. And now there are, there are various health tests which you can take yourself for heart disease or pregnancy or the one that we're most familiar with for COVID. Now, we may not like them, but tests are important. They check our progress, our competence, our health, how we're getting on. What about a faith test? When was the last time you had one of those? Have you ever had one? It's a self-test, and it checks your progress, your health as a Christian. It's not designed to stress you out, but it is important. Now, I want us to, to remember, this is not an entrance exam. No one becomes a Christian by reaching a certain moral standard on their own. Salvation's not a reward for top marks. It's a gift. It's received, not achieved. You, you trust in what Jesus has done for you. He takes your sin and failure. He gives you his life, his right relationship with God. Now, this faith test is how are you getting on? How living is your faith? How healthy? And you don't pick it up from Boots, the chemist. It's here in the Bible. In these final pages of his letter to the Corinthians, Paul tells them, take a faith test. He's getting ready to visit them for the third time. The first time he came, he founded the church. The second time was a painful visit. There were hard things said. But he wants this third visit to be a happy one. He hopes to find them relating well to each other and to him as the apostle and to God himself. And so in advance of his visit, he says, verse 5, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you, unless, of course, you feel the test. But I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. 
There are two tests there. Paul's test of his leadership and the Corinthians' test of their lives. And as we look at them, they will set us up for our faith test and to help us to pass it. So first of all, based on Paul's test, leaders test yourselves. Verse 6 again. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. The question was, was Paul a true apostle? Because there were leaders in the church called super apostles, and they said Paul had failed the test. He was a poor preacher. He was a struggling minister. He was a weak man. And they were the real deal. Their strength and power showed that they had made the grade. And Paul has been saying throughout this letter, no, my life doesn't disqualify me. It proves that I'm the servant apostle because I follow the servant savior, Jesus Christ. Paul was a true spiritual leader because his test results showed his love for them. He loved them like a parent. And what do parents do? They save up for their children and then spend their money on them. And some of you here know that, whether parents or children. In fact, he says, verse 15, so I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and expend myself as well. And he cared for them like a builder would their building. So verse 19, everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. Or chapter 13, verse 10, the authority the Lord gave me for building you up, not tearing you down. And that ambition, that love, is seen in Paul's prayers. So verse 9, we are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong. He wants them empowered, not himself. And our prayer is that you may be fully restored. And restored there is like a broken bone, perhaps a broken arm, being set so that it heals properly and is straight and healthy again. So here was a leader whose love pursued and gave and built up. He passed the test. But there were some more results. His love also warned them. He grieved for them, verse 21, for their sin and their lack of repentance and change. And so he warned them, verse 2, I already gave you a warning when I was with you the second time. I now repeat it while absent. He didn't give up on them. If the church was like a body, he didn't want to find them cut to ribbons by their words, or bruised and battered from their fits of rage, or bones broken because of their pride. He would discipline them, but he warned them so that they had time to change. Jesus loved this church. 
and so did Paul. Here is a love that confronted and challenged and corrected. Paul passed the test. And for us, let me speak to those of us who lead, whether that's staff or lay leaders, small group leaders. As we enter this new season in our year and in our church's life, I want to thank you for being willing to serve. We praise God for you and for your love for his people, which is clearly evident to others and which should mark our leadership. Now, as leaders, we don't love you perfectly, and we're sorry for that. But we are called to give ourselves to you, not to exploit you or to burden you, to build you up, not ourselves or our reputations or our egos. We're to pray for your spiritual health, for your holiness, for your wholeness, and to encourage you to strive for it. Now, that's a high calling. And it's why I often pray this prayer, I cannot bear the weight of this calling in my own strength, but only by the grace and power of God. Please, Lord, dearly enlarge my heart and enlighten my understanding of the scriptures. May your Holy Spirit help me. We need your prayers and your help as well. Because love also involves warning, and that's challenging. Like many of us don't like conflict and confrontation, or we've had bad experiences of it not going well, either by us or to us, where the wrong things were said, with the wrong motives behind them. And we've heard of church leaders who have abused their authority, who have made other people weak so that they can be strong. But there's a love that confronts and challenges and corrects in order to build up. You know, if you join a sports team or a music group or a choir, you know, the coaches and the team enable you to play properly. And as you're part of the team, you absorb what they teach you and you see their example and you follow their example. But it would be, there'd be something wrong if they just ignored your bad habits or if they didn't speak to you about your poor approach to training, if you're not warned about your unhealthy attitude to others in the team. The coaches, the team cares about you and they care about the whole team. And so they'll speak up and they'll warn you so that you can change. Well, how much more the church, where we're concerned, not just how we relate to each other, but how we relate to God. It's loving when leaders hold us to account. When they come alongside and say, I think that relationship is unhealthy. Do you see the effect your words are having on other people? I'm concerned about what you're viewing online or what you're posting online. Leaders, love builds up. 
So we should carefully, sensitively, courageously love like that. Paul didn't fail his test. And here tonight, we're blessed with leaders who faithfully and deeply love our church family. So leaders, test yourselves. See your progress. Strive to go further. Church, please pray for us and help us to love you well. And then Paul turns the spotlight from himself onto the Corinthians. So secondly, church, test yourselves. Verse 5 again. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Everyone has faith. We are all trusting in someone or something. But the faith in verse 5 is the beliefs and lifestyle of the Christian faith. The super apostles spoke of Jesus and the spirit and the gospel, but it was a different spirit and gospel and Jesus to the faith, the faith of Paul and of Jesus Christ. But more than that, Paul says, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you feel the test. And this is one of the ways in which Christianity is different from being a member of a social club or an organization. You know, organizations, clubs, they believe things, they do things, they say things. But as Christians, we believe in a mysterious way that Jesus Christ lives in us and among us, that he is present in us and among us. And that's a beautiful thing and a precious thing and an incredible thing. Christ is in you, Corinthians. So test yourself, Paul says. Despite how dysfunctional you are, see the evidence of Christ present in your life and strive for more. Jesus had changed their attitude to each other, so they were now brothers and sisters in Christ. And so they had to stop those toxic relationships and instead encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace. And Jesus had changed their attitudes to, his, to God's words. That when they heard Paul speak, Christ was speaking to them. And so they were to delight in the word and absorb it and live it out. And Jesus had changed their attitudes to him. He was crucified in weakness, but now he lives by God's power. And the Corinthians were to praise God for both of those and hold on to both of those and live them out in their lives. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Well, Paul was confident that as they took this faith test, they would pass it and the results would show it. They would see signs of Jesus' life in them. And in doing so, they would discover that Paul was the true apostle who had passed his test, unlike the super apostles. So what does it mean for us to test ourselves? Well, I want to apply this in two ways, us as a whole church and then us individually. As a church, over these past few years, 
We've been reflecting together before God on who we are, on our St. Ebb's culture. We've called it our cultural review. And if you've been here over these past few years, I want to say again, thank you for taking part and for your feedback. And we praise God because Christ Jesus is in us. We have seen evidence of his grace and his love. His spirit is at work in us and among us, and we praise God for that. But as we've seen, there are areas of our church life where we need to grow. We're to keep working on welcoming and integrating people into our church. There's more we could do on class, in terms of class and diversity, so our church reflects more fully the city in which we live. How might the staff and volunteers serve well together? And with our different services and ministries and our small groups, how might we grow as one church with different generations and different groups mixing together and building each other up? That's an ambitious agenda. But we want to move forward with God's help. It's why we're not restarting the 1145 service, which we would normally do next week. Instead, we'll be welcoming students into this service and into the morning service as well. And that is going to mean change for us, and it will take time for us to adjust. But we believe it will bring real benefits to all of us. So as they come, let's welcome them and draw them in. I know you will. Test yourselves. How are we doing? Christ is in us. And we pray that God will change us into the church he wants us to be. And into the people he wants us to be. Because as individuals, we should test ourselves. Now, we need to be careful, because some of us might think, listen, I'm fine. You know, I don't need to bother. I'm the equivalent of a spiritual athlete. Like, just look at me. I'm in good health. Well, praise God. But a test might do us all good, including you. But for some of us, taking a faith test fills you with despair. Like, what if I fail and find nothing? I'm such an awful Christian. Well, take heart. Can you echo Elena's answers from a few minutes ago? I have turned from sin to Jesus as my Lord. I am trusting in Jesus' death for my forgiveness. I believe in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are signs of Christ in you. You're not what you were. And with our faith test, like the Corinthians, we can reflect on three areas. How is Jesus changing my attitude to his church? Am I turning away from sins like selfish ambition, gossiping, impurity? How can I encourage others instead? Be of one mind, live in peace. 
How is Jesus changing my attitude to his word so that I'm present on Sundays, engage in my small group, live in line with what he says? How is Jesus changing my attitude to him? He loves you. Tell him you love him. And reflect on your love. Are you ready to follow him in weakness? How much do you rely on his power in your life? Church, test yourselves. With some tests, whether it's a driving test or a formal exam, there's a date in the diary. We know when it is and we can get ready for it. But with self-tests, it's tempting just to put them off. I'll do it later. This faith test isn't to stress us out, but to encourage us, and it is important. So please take time this week before the Lord to examine yourself, to be honest with yourself and with him, to praise him for the life that you see in yourself, to confess your sins and to receive his forgiveness, and to pray for deeper change. Paul was confident that the Corinthians would pass the test and see Christ in them, and so take action. And so can we. Will you do that this week? And to help us do that, let me pray verse 14 for us now. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.